What's up, Doc? Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Greetings and salutations. Hello, Poppy. Hello there. Kindly ho, neighborinos! You are cleared to land on Ducky Bay 77, a podcast about movies, music, TV, and anything else these guys can think to talk about. Yes, hi, hello, and welcome to the podcast, Docking Bay 77. I am your host, Dayton Johnson, and hey, guess what? It is October, and what does October mean to you? Well, it means Halloween. Well, duh. And it also means pumpkins and apples and all that kind of other stuff, but today we are going to discuss some Halloween-y type things, and to do that, I have invited some good friends on. First, we have Jeff Johnson. How are you doing, Jeff? I am doing pretty well, Dayton. Thank you. Pretty well. All right. Cool. And also, and joining me again, uh, David Burns. How are you, David? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. So you guys are ready to discuss some Halloween-y stuff? Yes, sir. I absolutely am. (laughs) I figured as much. (laughs) Uh, This particular episode, we will be discussing the originals of Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, before we get into other stuff, the reason I chose these two is obviously the beginning of two very long running franchises. Um, each, uh, they have a future star in both of them with Kevin Bacon and Johnny Depp um, before they're anybody. Both are revenge movies and both are very iconic now, especially with the hockey mask uh, is very much you know associated with Friday the 13th movies. And of course, everybody recognizes Freddy Krueger's sweater um, no matter where you see it. So those were kind of my you know, reasons for choosing these two to kind of go up against each other. But before we get into the actual discussion of the movies, these two gentlemen went on a quest recently to visit. Where did you go? The original Camp Crystal Lake. (laughs) All right. So who wants to gush first? Well, I'll I'll give you the honor. (laughs) Thank you, David. Um, Well, Dayton, you probably can hear my voice is a little hoarse. Uh, That is that's truly on account of all the screaming that I did. Uh, at night at uh, Camp Blood. Uh, yeah, we actually just got back from uh, Blairstown, New Jersey. Uh, David and I are both big Friday 13th fans. And we thought, hey, let's, uh, let's see the real stomping grounds and take a chance to uh, see the actual movie locations. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, you know, Dave, Dave, I'll let you uh, do your, your, th- your thing about it, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was wonderful. You know, we, we started off when we got out there, we started off following Annie's footsteps. Um, you know, <laughs> her hiking uh, to Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, so we went to the different filming locations with that before we did the tour um, at Camp Crystal Lake, which it was just a fantastic trip to experience it uh, in person. It is a it is a must do pilgrimage for any fan of the series. Uh, and Crystal Lake Tours does an outstanding job of hosting this event and putting it on so can't say enough good things about them and uh, our tour guide mark he was awesome very knowledgeable and very fun so how was the food at the diner it was good (laughs) it was good it was actually good we had the slasher burger oh that sounds awesome (laughs) (laughs) it was delicious yeah all right well that is totally cool i'm um even though i'm not a huge fan of that movie i'm always super jealous of anybody that gets to visit anywhere that a movie was shot so that is very very cool and very timely as well so all right so let's move on we are going to discuss i had this dream i'm in a thunderstorm and it's raining really hard sounds like pebbles when it hits the ground try to block out the sound with my hands only it doesn't work it just keeps getting louder and louder and rain turns to blood it's just a dream Ah! are you crazy we ain't gonna stand for no weirdness out here hello Did you know that a young boy drowned here? His name was Jason, and today is his birthday. This place is cursed. You're doomed if you stay here. It's not funny anymore. Not funny at all. They're all dead. 
first movie on the topic is Friday the 13th, and David is going to give us a little bit of history of this particular film. Go ahead, David. Yes, yes. Friday the 13th. So this movie was shot in 1979, and it was directed by Sean Cunningham, who at this time really didn't have um, you know, a hit since 1972 uh, when he had The Last House on the Left that he did with Wes Craven. Um, he also produced this film along with Alvin Galeer and um, Steve Miner. And for those who are horror fans and Friday the 13th fans, they're going to know the name Steve Miner because he did direct uh, part two and part three of Friday the 13th. Um, music by Han- Harry Manfredini. Uh, and again, anybody who knows horror movies is going to recognize his music. And he has the honor of coming up with the uh, familiar uh, sound that we hear in Friday the 13th, which is the kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, it's fantastic. Um, you know, so um, it was written by Victor Miller okay. and uh, makeup by Tom Savini, uh, special effects. So anybody who knows his work yep. um, knows uh, what kind of talent he brings to any kind of uh, horror film. Um, It was released by Paramount Pictures in 1980. The film would star uh, Betsy Palmer, uh, Adrienne King, Janine Taylor, Robbie Morgan, Harry Crosby, Laurie uh, Burkham, Mark Nelson, Peter Brower, and last but not least, (laughs) we need to talk about a very familiar face, not at the time, uh, because he only had Animal House uh, going on and a couple of TV uh, series, I believe he was in. Right. Um, and as we all know today, he had a very successful 80s and 90s and up to current. And that is, of course, Kevin Bacon. Very cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the film uh, was basically created in response to the success of Halloween, uh, which was in 1978. Um Cunningham, who's always been a horror fan, uh, you know, kind of didn't have the idea when he was creating Friday the 13th, when he was wanting to get investors. So he came up with the, the, the logo that we see in the movie where you get the Friday the 13th coming forward and it crashes through the glass. That's the only thing he came up with in order to show the investors to get the, the money he needed to make this low budget film. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird how that happened. Um, but the film was shot, like I said, in 1979, it was shot in Hardwick township, township, Blairstown and hope, New Jersey. Um, it even utilized a um, real uh, boy scout camp, right. um, okay. which is, which is known as uh, camp Nobi Bosco, um, which was, started in 1927 which is kind of neat because camp crystal lake which is in, in the movie that it's portraying uh was started in 1935 uh so you know pr- pretty pretty neat how that works right um but you know the film was very uh well when the creators were doing the movie they you know it's a low budget film five hundred fifty thousand dollars. you know not a lot going on there so, you know, they didn't think it was going to go be successful that it was going to be. I mean, most of the actors were coming from Broadway. You know, this was kind of their <laughs> first experience with making a movie. You know, Kevin Bacon, of course, had his own thing. And, of course, you had Betsy Palmer, of course, right. uh, who had been around a very long time. Um, you know, so, you know, you had her. But um, for most of it, everybody had a feeling this wasn't really going to go very far. Little did they know what they were going to start. <laughs> um, so once they finished wrapping the film, they did send it off to Paramount, uh, who uh, did a test audience, and um, it was successful with the test audience. So they decided to release it nationwide in theaters. And opening weekend, the $550,000 film made $6 million. That is opening awesome. Weekend. It is. And then That's it awesome. went, went globally and earned $39 million. Not bad for no. a very low budget film. <laughs> Not at all. Not, Not at, at all. all. And of course, as we all know, uh, and I want to stop here for just a moment, just in case anybody who has not seen this movie, because I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> Spoiler coming. But of course, when you have a very successful film, what does the studio want? A sequel. A sequel. Of course. So when they approach the creators of Friday the 13th, they're like, hey, we want a sequel to this. Well, we kind of got a problem here. The killer of Friday the 13th was beheaded. So <laughs> how do we make a sequel to this movie? I know what we're going to do. 
we're going to use her son, Jason, to become the killer. And well, the rest is history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that actually, the whole killer is one of my questions for a little bit later. So we'll get into that in a minute. So, um, okay, the discussion. Uh, Jeff, tell me your first impressions. When did you see this first? Uh, how did it affect you? Uh, were you all in from the get-go? What, you know, Tell me about it. Well, the original wasn't the first one that I seen, actually. Okay. Um, my first Friday 13th film was uh, technically Friday 13th, the final chapter, which is the fourth one. Uh, I seen that one night on Cinemax, I think, or maybe, maybe HBO, uh, and fell in love immediately. Uh, found right. out that there were originals, you know, went straight to the video store, uh, begged my mom and dad to uh, rent them <laughs> for me, and... Uh, I became a huge fan of the franchise uh, ever since then, Uh, you know, just every time, you know, and this is one of those things where they're, they're putting out a new movie every single year. So, (laughs) right. You know, my mom and dad were never going to take me to see them, but I was, uh, I was excited like a year later when they hit the the rental store and I could, I could catch up. So, (laughs) right. I mean, most for me, my, I know, I remember seeing the second one um, on cable. I know I saw this one on cable. Uh, I, I, don't ever recall purposely going out to rent them. Um, I saw the third wife. If I've seen it, it's probably been on cable with the exception of the Freddy versus Jason movie <laughs> a few years back. Uh, that one I did rent and uh, I'm kind of still regretting that one, but anyway, <laughs> um, but no, those were, they were pretty much, if it was on cable, I watched it. So uh, what about you, David? So Friday the 13th, not only holds a special place that I, you know, I love the franchise. I love Jason, but it holds to be the very first rated R movie I ever saw. Really? Yes. The original Friday the 13th was my first film into Friday the 13th. And it was my very first rated R movie. Um, I will never forget um, the ending of that movie. <laughs> right. Um, we'll never forget the ending of that movie because it scared the crap out of me. As it should have. Yes. As it should have. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, real quick, how, um, for David, so what are some things, some likes, you know, things you absolutely love about this movie and maybe one or two things that don't work for you? Is there anything on that list? Yeah. So, uh, one of the, the likes that I appreciate about this movie is, uh, the character of Annie. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's kind of a, a, a uh, you know, a, a false beginning to fans or to the, to the audience, because, you know, you obviously see the stuff in 1958 at the beginning of the film to show a couple of people getting murdered. And then we, we go to present day and then we, we immediately see Annie uh, hitchhiking into the camp. So it's almost like a, a um, you know, hey, this is going to be the main character, you know, and we're, we're right. following her, you know, on the way to the camp and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, she eventually gets picked up in the Jeep and, oh, wait a minute. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> she got killed. She's not going to make it. So I really like that, you know, you know, as, as, as a, uh, a film buff, as someone who writes and stuff like that, I kind of like that because, you know, oh, wait a minute, they fooled me on this one. So I really appreciated that. I like that one. Right. Um, I liked, I liked the killer. I, I love Betsy Palmer as, as Pamela Voorhees. Right. Um, I just feel like I, I'm kind of torn here because I, I like that we don't get to see her to almost the very end of the film. Um, you know, uh, I mean, obviously we see her hands and, you know, that kind of stuff and she's killing people, but we don't, we've never been introduced to her until we get to the very end of the film. So I'm kind of torn here. I, I, I like that a little bit, but I kind of don't because I, you know, I would like to have seen her towards the beginning of the film, you know, to at least introduce her character because I mean, we don't even know anything about Jason. So I want to say what an hour, I don't know, hour, 10 minutes, hour, six minutes into the film. Yeah, we don't really true. know uh, what's going on with that story, anything like that. So I, I get it. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, I like it and I dislike that part basically. So, yeah. All right. What about you, Jeff? Likes, dislikes? <clears throat> uh, I'll say uh, one thing I definitely like about this that I feel puts it apart from a lot of other slashers is this one specifically gives us a murder mystery uh, vibe to it. Okay. Uh, most, most slashers, you know who the killer is immediately. And you know who to be scared of. Um, this does not do that for you, uh, as you're you know you're seeing these people get uh, killed killed off uh, throughout the day, throughout the night, and you just don't know who's involved and you don't know who's doing it. So I do appreciate that. I uh, love the um, the physical location, especially after you've walked the grounds <laughs> and you've seen it. Yes, uh, it's 
I mean, it really puts the movie into perspective. So uh, that the practical effects, uh, that's a, that's the stuff that I really love about this movie. Um, the only dislike I, I have would probably echo what David was saying. I would have loved to have seen uh, just one small scene with uh, with with Betsy Palmer's uh, Mrs. Voorhees early on, just to establish her. Um, I think uh, it definitely, you know, that way I feel like when she shows up at the end, you almost have like this relief, you know, and I, and I know that that's, that's what they were going for uh, anyways, but just seeing a friendly face and knowing like, okay, either she's going to get killed also, or we're going to be okay. Uh, I think that would have, that would have helped it out. <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, I do kind of agree with the Annie thing um, of her kind of being, uh, misleading at the beginning, which of course they uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson call back in Scream by having um, you know Drew Barrymore, which was a very famous actress at the time, being killed off in the first ten minutes of that movie. So uh, I, I see it, but I, in a way, I'm kind of glad Annie got killed because it, as, as cute as she was, she was a terrible actress. She was awful. I didn't believe anything that came out of her mouth, not a single thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think, um, maybe having, uh, Mrs. Voorhees earlier on might've helped. Um, but I do kind of like the mystery they set up with, you kept mm -hmm. hearing about the things that happened, you know, the, uh, just random stories from the cops, random stories from the, from the locals about the going on at the, at the camp. So to me, I think it works either way. Um, but yeah, it would have been interesting to kind of set up her character early on and maybe give a, you know, a potential discussion half, you know, through the movie, like, could it possibly be her? Nah, it can't be the old lady. Why would it be the old lady? Right. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So I only have one, my main dislike about the movie though, is going through the movie and one by one, these counselors are getting killed off. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about anybody. There was like no character development whatsoever. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, I, you know, you're just kind of almost waiting for the next one to die because I mean, which is fine because that's kind of what the movie's all about is, you know, is kind of setting up this, but to me, I was kind of like, at least make me care for, I mean, I guess when you get to the, uh, what was the, the one that survives, uh, I forgot her name. Um, Alice. Yes. I did like her because she seemed like she was at least genuinely a decent and kind person, but mm -hmm. it, it took, and I got to tell you, she was, uh, she was a lot stronger than I expected, you know, cause I, it's been years since I remembered or saw the movie. So it was kind of nice to see her really tussle and really kind of fight to survive. So I did like that, but, um, okay. So I really want to discuss the different death scenes because <laughs> there's quite a few good ones. And I'm going to start mm -hmm. off with my favorite. I actually liked, uh, Nettie because he disappears into the one cabin and then we don't see him again until he pops up into the bunk mm -hmm. above Kevin Bacon's character. Um, that's actually my favorite death scene. So Jeff, do you have a favorite death scene? I actually, I do have a favorite death scene. Um, I got to go with Kevin Bacon's arrow <laughs> through the throat. Uh, that's like the I, only one I remembered, like after watching the rewatching this, like going, so when does he get it through? the? <laughs> when's he it's, so it's yeah. It's so memorable. It uh, and I, I, it's one of my favorites, not only because it looks amazing on screen, yeah. but uh, when you know, um, what it took to pull that off, the practicality of it, mm -hmm. right. and the, and how cumbersome that whole uh, that 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 area is. Uh, yeah. You're talking about a, a bunk. You know, these bed bunks are only like almost five feet tall, right? Five and a half feet tall. Uh, so when you've got you know Tom Savini um, underneath <laughs> there, kind of laying on Kevin Bacon, who's also smashed up underneath there, right? Um, you really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, and I, I just think it's fun. Uh, Kevin DeBacon has been noted as saying that uh, at every autograph signing he he goes to, he absolutely hates <laughs> when people give him the um, the death scene, uh, uh, Jack Jack's arrow through the throat, and he says it's just when you've seen that page like a thousand times and you just see your your bloody face, it's like really this is what you want to know me for. <laughs> so, he does Come not on. like signing. He does not like signing that that photo. It should be, so. it should be for Footloose. What are we talking about here? Come on, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> 
All right. So David, what's your favorite death scene? I, I would probably, I would go with Jeff on this one, but you know, just not to copy him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the death of Pamela Voorhees, uh, okay. the, the, behead, the beheading um, at the end when Alice takes the swing. Um, you know, I, I just think that was a really uh, cool death scene. I just don't want to copy Jeff because I do agree. <laughs> my favorite is Kevin Bacon. Right. But yes. <laughs> I, I can tell you my least favorite death scene is actually uh, when they kill a snake because uh, yeah. it was a real snake yeah. yep. and apparently sure the was. owner of the snake was off screen crying. So that made me <laughs> hate that scene even more. Yeah. Apparently that was, um, that was Tom Savini's idea. I guess that happened to him when he was camping once a snake got up in his cabin and they killed it. So, yeah. which is, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but you know, at least do a cut and throw a fake one. In. I don't know, but do right. Something. <laughs> right. I'm not a fan I of, I trust me. I don't like snakes, but I'm necessarily want to see them get, get killed but ugh. yeah they did Just mention talk. in the tour i don't know if it's true or not they said that um they weren't sure either but they said they believe they heard that that was the last real animal that got killed on screen because oh, yeah. of uh, the yeah, trouble. Uh, yeah 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 there i know uh there was no uh PETA or anybody who was on site to you know because you always see at the very bottom of the at the credits no animals were hurt during this production well you didn't see <laughs> that in this one and so that would make sense that that would probably uh start that up so yep. um but uh now, I can tell you I, this movie to me going in, um, like I said, it's been years since I saw it and um, I will say I, I did enjoy it. Um, I can't say that out of all of them that it's my favorite, but I can say that it, I was, I enjoyed it a little bit more uh, than I thought I did. My expectations were low since it, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's not Halloween, you know, it's not in my mind, it's not psycho. It's not whatever and mm-hmm. considering the budget they had and considering this guy really was just trying to make his own way through a slasher film it's not bad for for a movie on that budget and for the uh, uh, somebody who really hadn't i don't know found his way yet it, it's 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 worth seeing and it's a it's a good slasher flick i mean yep. and so all right so we'll come back around to that one but now we're going to move on to the second movie the kids of elm street don't know it yet But something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You could just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> no one will survive. <laughs> From Wes Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror. Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, Jeff, it's your turn to give some history on our on our movie. So tell us about A Nightmare on Elm Street. So we've got A Nightmare on Elm Street, which uh, came out in 1984, written and directed by Wes Craven and stars Heather Langenkamp, uh, 70s icon John Saxon, um, Johnny Depp in his feature film debut, as you mentioned in your opening. And of course, uh, the one and only Robert England as Freddy Krueger. So when we talk about inspiration, uh, where this this idea came from, um, Craven had just kind of finished up on Swamp Thing, was looking for something to really put himself on the map. Uh, He recalled some 1970s Los Angeles Times articles about the Hmong refugees who had fled genocide and war in parts of Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. And these people were over here apparently dying in their sleep from nightmares. Uh, They had actually, uh, it comes from, I guess, um, you know, they didn't know it there in the 1970s, but this is, this is a post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, they're, they're refusing to go to sleep. And when they finally were going to sleep, 
they were suffering um, just in, you know instant death in their in their sleep wow. uh, from the nightmares. They went on to call this uh, Asian death syndrome for a little while, uh, and he absolutely was fascinated by the idea of people dying in their sleep and what would be the cause of that. So um, legend has it, he heard uh, that uh, pop hit Dreamweaver <laughs> and uh, got inspired. And uh, it was none other than his childhood bully uh, that he wanted to use as the antagonist uh, who was actually named Fred Krueger. Nice. So he had actually, <laughs> he had actually name dropped this guy uh, in last house on the left in 1972. The main antagonist in that movie is a guy named Krug, mm-hmm. uh, but, the bully finally gets his due in this. Uh, he gets fully name dropped as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and that's where the uh, the inspiration for the film came. See, I always uh, heard the inspiration was because he kept that uh, Wes Craven kept having nightmares about a guy in the sweater. So that was what I heard um, before the Internet, before you can do a lot of research and find things other ways. That <laughs> yeah. was always the rumor going around that he was having his own nightmares. Yeah. That's what inspired it. So Free. good to know I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, the sweater, the, the sweater idea came in the, the two tone sweater idea came from uh, DC's Plastic Man. OK, which, which is kind of goofy to me, but but OK, um, he finishes this great script and none of the studios want to touch it except. And this is what cracks me up. Walt Disney Productions was interested, <laughs> only they insisted that it be toned down and made suitable for preteens. Uh, Wes Craven stood his ground, thankfully, and passed on that. Yep. Mm. And it was finally um, the newly formed New Line Cinema, who was distributing movies, decided that, hey, let's take a chance and produce something. Uh, as we all know, New Line became a mega successful um, production studio. Yep. Uh, often known, uh, nicknamed the house that uh, that Freddie built. <laughs> so, and and for good reason. Absolutely, uh, very good reason. But the movie came out in uh, November 9th, nineteen eighty four. Uh, opened on one hundred sixty five screens and grossed one point two million on its opening weekend, uh, which was an instant commercial success. Uh, it finished its run with twenty five million. Not bad, not bad at all. I can tell you that uh, going into this. Um, I remembered Nightmare a lot more than uh, than Friday the 13th. So I was kind of excited to rewatch them both again. I mean, I literally watched them within a couple of days of each other. Uh, so um, my first impression was I rented it. This one I know for a fact. I'm, and I remember renting the second one, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and going, you know, I kind of felt that obviously the first one was a little more memorable. The second one was like, what? But uh, uh, this one stuck with me, you know, the, the gloves, the claws, the, the, the idea of, you know, getting killed in your sleep. Cause you hear those um, growing up, you hear those old wives tales, whatever you want to call them that um, you always wake up in your dream right before you die, because if you actually don't, then you die. So that made this movie even more real to me um, and uh, way more creepy, way more creepy. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, so uh, Jeff, tell me the first time you remember seeing this. Well, the first time I remember seeing, uh, not the movie, but the movie poster at the okay. video at the video store, it uh, it just looked it didn't look scary, but it looked weird because you've got the girl who looks terrified, the, right. the knives are coming above her, and I just looked at it, and I and my my dad who was with me at the time saw that I was looking at it, and he made reference to it and said, you know, um, I went and seen that with your grandma, and huh. I was like. I was like, you, you saw a nightmare on Elm street with, with Gam. He's like, he goes, yeah, I did. And I, and I said, well, can, can I rent it? And he said, absolutely not. That will scare you to death. And he was right because uh, a, a year or two later, I did catch it on cable when I wasn't supposed to watch it. Uh, and my dad was like, he was look he was being a good dad. He was looking out for me because Freddy Krueger scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, still does a little bit. Absolutely. Yep. I, I totally agree. All right. Uh, David, tell me about your first impressions of this particular film. So, uh, I did not see this in theaters. This was on video. Mm-hmm. Um, I just vividly remember the trailer, uh, when it was being advertised, I remember seeing that. I was like, Oh man, that looks scary. You know, I want to see that. But then, you know, being a kid, uh, I didn't get the chance to see that in theater, you know, cause right. there's no way my parents would have let me have seen that in the theater. Uh, so I would catch that on video, you know, years later. And, you know, I just remember how amazing it was and how scary 
uh, Freddy Krueger was. So right, yeah. Thank goodness for cable because otherwise, there's a lot of movies the three of us never would have seen <laughs> until we're much much older. So <laughs> all right, so uh, so uh, David, tell me some uh, uh, likes and dislikes for this particular movie. So um, I like uh, on I like the other sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street, but for this one, this one made Freddy very frightening. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it, I didn't know who he was when the movie first started. You know, you get the I mean, you get the clips of him making the glove um, at the beginning of the film. So you're like, what is this going on? I like the mystery of the film. Yes, where you didn't know the parents knew who he was uh, until later on in the film. You kind of get started getting hints of that throughout the film. Um, and like, you know, when Nancy was like, you know, saying his name is Freddy Krueger and I, I believe that it was to his, her dad. And then he yeah. had that look where he like looked to his wife, like right. knowing, oh crap, something. So at that point, you know, okay, something's, something's going, on. going on here. Right. I really liked that mystery and how they held that up. Um, you know, until we found out that the, the parents did know, uh, him and what they had done. I, I love that about it. The biggest dislike I like, and you know, this is going to give away something that's coming up later on your podcast. I did not <laughs> like the ending. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, o- the only thing that I did not like about it is just how fake it looked when she was pulled through the door. Yeah. Okay. That, gotcha. that's, that, that it bothers me. Maybe when I saw it back in the eighties, because I'm not, you know, spoiled by the special <laughs> effects and stuff that I have today. Um, but yeah, did not like the ending. Yeah. I, I can tell you. We, yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but um the visuals on the ending were kind of lackluster. So I definitely see your point. Um, I can tell you, honestly, like, like you, I love the backstory of this. I love how there is a history that's unfolding in front of us and that all the parents are in on it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the kids are having to suffer for, I mean, the parents did right by the kids because obviously, you know, why wouldn't you kill the guy that's been terrorizing their, and, you know, their children? So I get that. Um, but the fact that, you know, they keep trying to hide it from their kids and like, just tell them. So they understand what's going on and what's trying to kill them. Um, and I like that you, they actually get, you get some development with the kids. Um, I mm-hmm. did like all the characters that you're supposed to like. And um, one thing that was surprising is that unlike in most slasher films, uh, the sheriff, who was the dad, wasn't completely incompetent. That's kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, Jeff, uh, likes and dislikes for this one? <clears throat> well, I'll start with likes. First off, I like the look of Freddy Krueger. Yes. Uh, this is, this yes. is a time when uh, the greats before him are all wearing masks and using knives of some sort with, with exception of Leatherface who uses a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craven decides, Hey, I want my guy. I don't want him in a mask, but I still want him to be scary. Right. And that's when he got the, the, the idea of, well, let's just make him burn beyond recognition. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and then he has the idea uh, initially Freddie was supposed to use a sickle because he thought, well, it's not exactly a knife and it's something that people haven't seen before. And then one day in pre-production, he goes to his FX guy and says, what if he, what if he had a glove with steak knives? And the guy said, I'm on it. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, again, the rest is history. Yep. Right, um, right. So I love, I love Freddie's look. Um, definitely love the, the backstory with the, uh, the sins of the parents being visited on the, on the children. Right. Um, again, yeah, you're the parents, they did the right thing. Um, but they also made a malevolent spirit, uh, <laughs> as a result. Um, if I've got, if I've got one dislike, uh, again, mirroring David, <laughs> uh, it's going to be the ending, but for a different reason. Um, I just feel like, uh, when you've got Heather Langenkamp's final girl, Nancy Thompson, uh, she does this great thing, uh, setting booby traps throughout the house. And mm-hmm. she really steps up, uh, to take him on, uh, just head on. And to know that she beats him by just turning her back on him and saying, I don't believe in you. You're not real. I take all my power back. And then he just kind of, you know, magically, you know, dissolves. I, I, I hate that about the ending. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay with the, uh, the mysterious ending. You know, they, right. they kind of mimic the Friday 13th thing, yep. you right. know, that dream, like, is it real? Is it not real with her getting in the car with her friends and her mom's, no longer an alcoholic. Um, I, I get that. And I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay with the ultimate <laughs> demise of Freddy Krueger in this. <laughs> that's, that's my dislike. Yeah. Good no, point, good and point. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's it seemed kind of like here we go through it. She's totally like you know kicking his ass throughout the entire house, and then we get to that where she just says, mm, "Nope," <laughs> which. I, I guess it's kind of the whole mind over matter thing or, you know, cause like in your dreams, you know, I've had plenty of dreams where I've had to wake myself up because I was getting too terrified or whatever. So I guess in that respect, it makes sense, but it still kind of falls flat in regards to the rest of the movie. Yep. I mean, I really feel like Craven just did a really good job uh, setting up the villain, setting up the characters and, and the teenagers. And, and I was really, I can tell you, honestly, I was really more into this movie than I was Friday the 13th. I was more invested in the characters and in the story in this one. Um, and I mean, after you go through and see all the stuff that Craven has done over the years, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a good storyteller. So it was no surprise to me that I was really more invested in this particular movie, but I mean, they're both iconic movies, so it doesn't really matter ultimately, but still. Um, maybe it's not fair to compare Wes, Cra- Wes Craven to Cunningham. I know because that's, <laughs> no. that's but even still. Um, so let's move on to um, our favorite deaths. So, uh, Jeff, do you have a favorite death in this? I one? do. I do for this one, and ironically, it's one that you don't exactly see. talking about uh, Johnny Depp's demise mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> Glenn makes the mistake. Uh, he falls asleep when he was supposed to meet Nancy at midnight and he just kind of gets sucked inside of his bed. Right. And then a geyser of blood just <laughs> shoots up and splatters all over the wall. Uh, his, his poor mother opens the door. Here's the commotion. She freaks out and we never see Johnny Depp's corpse. We never see anything but what i love about it are the police officers that are doing their best not to not to throw up well the coroner was throwing up which yeah he was yeah i I love yeah i love when uh when john saxon's uh character shows up nancy's dad and he says well what's the quarter thing corner think and the officer on scene says he's in the bathroom uh throwing up so (laughs) so I, i think johnny depps is the most memorable for me and my favorite because Sometimes when what you don't see is way scarier or way more horrible than what you do because you're because of your imagination. It's yeah. True. True. And you know what? If you're going to go, you might as well go with your TV and stereo equipment. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, nope. so, just, be, just because you said because that was my favorite one, too. So I'm going to go ahead and just say that because honestly, because it was like you said, the geyser and because of the, like I said, taking your stuff with you. So why not? All yeah. right. So, uh, David, do you have a favorite one? I do. I'm going to go away from you guys on this one. Cool. Um, Tina. Really? Ooh, yes. Yeah. Just because of the way it was filmed. Okay. I mean, how okay. she went up the wall onto the, the ceiling and how, you know, you just get like the glimpse of the, you know, like the, the boyfriend was in the corner and how they angled the camera up and just moved her around. Incredible filmmaking. And I, I, that was my favorite kill through the whole movie. Matter of fact, it's one of my favorite kills of any horror franchise, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, it's, um, especially for it to be the, the first one, it was, it's, they kind of, he really set the stage for the rest of them. It's like, did. where do you go from there? You know? And, <laughs> and what I did like is like each one was very different from the other, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just always the same. So uh, yeah, it, hers definitely sticks, sticks in my head. And it's funny to think um, the career that's Amanda Weiss she had during the eighties and then, uh, and then not much. I mean, she's, I looked a lot, but she's like been in things, but she was in quite a few iconic movies in the eighties. You know, this one, of course, fast times are my high better off yep. dead. So, um, you know, and of course she's the first one to get killed. So, you know, 
maybe it's appropriate, you know, having a good career, you get killed first. So <laughs> Cause the one, her- well, cause the one, uh, uh, Langenkamp, she was a nobody pretty much. Right. I mean, she, yes. this is pretty much she's done she, some TV That's right. about it. It. and she yep. gets to, and she gets to live. Doesn't quite seem fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, to, to both your points, um, one thing that's great about her death scene is how brutal it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does set you up like, what are we going to see next? Um, and for me, it sets up one of the more scarier, um, um, scenes in the, in the movie, uh, when she appears to Nancy in, in school and she's just yes. in that clear yes. bloody body bag. That yes. was disturbing. As hell. Was so creepy. disturbing. Yeah, yeah. That, that movie, that, that scene I think is one of the scarier scenes in the movie mm-hmm. and it doesn't even have Freddie in it. So, yep. yeah. uh, you know, definitely, you know, puts it on the map for me too. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Um, okay. So real quick, let's do a little bit of, uh, compare and contrasting i want to talk about um were these movies if you just forget for just a minute um the 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 franchises Mm -hmm. were both these movies worthy of a sequel did they set it up well enough did were you for the first time if you watch these were you oh i can't wait i hope they make a sequel and and if that and yes how do the sequels fare in your mind i mean i can tell you right now um nightmare 2 didn't make any sense to me because it seemed to have nothing to do with the first one. <laughs> yes. And I actually liked Friday the 13th, the second one better than the first. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Jeff? Well, I feel like um, the ending of Friday the 13th doesn't set it up for a sequel. Right. And if I'm watching it for the first time, and that's my first experience with, with Friday the 13th in my mind, it wouldn't warrant a sequel. Um, murder mystery, mystery solved, you know, and, and you're done. I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, and fortunately happy that they did make more. Uh, as I said, I, I grew up loving these movies, but I don't think it warrants a sequel as opposed mm-hmm. to a nightmare on Elm street. I feel like it does kind of leave the door open um, with that vague ending. And especially, you know, I wanted to see, I, I wasn't satisfied with how Freddie kind of bought it so i right. wanted to see him come back bigger and stronger yep. um i'll agree with you Fre- uh, freddy's dead or i'm sorry uh freddy's revenge uh nightmare on the street part two really takes it off in a different direction doesn't really feel like it's part of it for me uh i feel that the true trilogy for a nightmare on the street is nancy thompson's story mm-hmm. so right. a okay. nightmare on the street uh, a nightmare on the street three dream warriors where she makes right. a return uh, along with john saxon right. and then finally in the west cravens a new nightmare so okay that's uh i, I that's where uh, you know i i own all the movies uh, i'll i'll go ahead and say that right now i've got the box sets got them all but, uh, <laughs> but i'm it, it's rare that i watch um four and five even six i i just usually i like this time of year and how what you know it's october we're ready for halloween uh, I usually watch those three that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, David, what about you? Yeah, I'm similar boat with Jeff on this one. You know, uh, you know, coming in late on Friday the 13th, I obviously knew there were already going to be sequels. But if I had seen Friday the 13th when it first came out, um, seeing it as the original film that it was, it does not warrant a, a sequel, nor would I think a sequel would be coming to that. Because, I mean, you murdered the killer. We're done. It, it, it's over with. We don't need anything else. But for Nightmare on Elm Street... Freddy Krueger was just so creepy and just, you know, in your nightmares that, you know, anything can happen in your dreams and your nightmares. Right. right. So of, of course you can bring Freddy Krueger back very easily. Um, so yes, the nightmare on Elm street, I wanted a sequel desperately. Okay. Okay. So let's take up from it. Um, talking about the endings. Now you both have said, and we all kind of agree that the, ending of how freddie dies um mm. doesn't make a lot of sense but let's talk about the the car um uh the very weird car <laughs> and all the friends being alive versus uh um jason coming out of the lake mm-hmm. i mean which one was which one worked better for you because i know my answer so i want to let you guys go first what about you david you go first so um i guess the one that works the most for me uh even though I hate the Nightmare on Elm Street ending, I, I still, I, I don't know. I still kind of got to give the edge to Nightmare. You know, I told you earlier okay. that, you know, I was kind of ruining, you know, what was coming up in the podcast. But, you know, Jason coming up out of the lake is iconic. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely love that ending. 
but does it make sense to the to the film itself? Not really. With the, with Nightmare on Street, yes, it does. Uh, so okay. I, I feel Nightmare has the edge here. Okay. Well, I in my mind, um, that little old lady uh, moving all those dead bodies around to me seemed really ridiculous. So <laughs> him popping out of the lake to me, I was I was going to accept that. So I'm going to give the edge as cool as that car was, and the windows going up, and the just and the mom waving. Eh, you know, um, <laughs> to me, I actually think Jason popping out of the lake. Um, cause that was one of the, I only remembered a few things in my rewatch, mm-hmm. uh, um, Kevin Bacon getting it through the neck and him popping out of the water. Um, those are the things that were burned into my brain. So mm-hmm. to me though, I like that one better. What about you, Jeff? What are you thinking? I definitely can respect the what's dream, what's reality type ending to a nightmare on Elm street. Right. But there's no way it beats out Friday the 13th ending. Uh, more importantly, because the ending to Nightmare wasn't scary. It was just kind of confusing and mm-hmm. kind of kind of dreamlike. Whereas with Friday the 13th, you're like, hey, the girl, she's finally, she made it. She got through it. There, All the police are here. Everything's fine. You've got that nice, soft score by uh, Manfredini. Mm-hmm. And then young Jason pops up and scares the hell out of all of us and <laughs> drags her down. Yeah. So, And even the mystery of, you know, when she's like, well, what about the boy, the one that attacked right. me, the one that pulled me in underneath the water? That excellent line, ma'am, we didn't find any boy. Right. Then, then he's still there. And it's right. like, that to me is the great ending. Um, and see, I, I think, and that was one of the thought, you know, things that popped into my head watching these two recently was, you know, because you even said, um, David, that they hadn't planned for a sequel for mm-hmm. Friday. But in my mind, the way they ended it, they pretty much set it up anyway, just in case almost, um, yeah. if it did well. And uh, with Nightmare, that ending is specifically set up for them to make a sequel. Yeah. You know, it's it's so, it, you know, it's so, yeah, well, is he dead? Is he gone? You know, <laughs> what's real? It's not. And so, I mean, I love the car. Um, and it's, but I think the... Jason jumping out of lake it just burned into my head because I actually had forgotten about the car at the end yeah. of the movie. I'd, I'd forgotten that scene completely. So when it came on, I'm like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, I will the go ahead, David. I was gonna say what I would like to add though, uh, because I, I need to do justice uh to the ending of Friday the 13th. Um, if if I'm looking at it as my favorite, Friday the 13th is my favorite ending. Okay. Um, the but the overall, if you're looking at the entire franchise art story arc, okay of what it did to the franchise Friday the 13th is the one movie uh, because if you really didn't have that ending with Jason um, you wouldn't be setting up Jason Voorhees, right? Which became the iconic Friday the 13th that we all know to this day. And let's be honest, uh, you know, when you think about it, um, everybody remembers that scene, Jason coming out of the lake. Right. And when you can make a, a an entire franchise, 12 movies, well, 11 movies, if you're not including the first one, it, it's a very unique situation because the first Friday the 13th is a completely different killer. Right. You know, and, and you've got the reversal effect here. Okay. The mom, Pamela Voorhees, was killing the counselors because of what they did to her son. Well, the counselor, Alice, kills Mama Voorhees. Now Jason comes back and is doing revenge for the counselors <laughs> killing his mom. So, you know, it's an endless cycle. It is. So if you look at it that way, Friday the 13th is clearly uh, the best ending. If you look at all of that, in my opinion. One thing I'll add, Dayton, uh, you mentioned they didn't, you know, if they didn't want a sequel, why did they do the the whole thing with him coming out of the water? Uh, There's a great story that happens between Sean Cunningham, the writer, Victor Miller, where Cunningham says, hey, uh, we need it. We need one more chair jump. And he says, what, what are you talking about? He goes, I need the audience to jump out of their chair one last time. Mm-hmm. And Victor Miller says, well, well, what do you want me to do? Tom Savini hears the conversation and says, well, just have, the, just have her son jump out and you know, grab her. And Victor Miller says, well, that doesn't make sense. He died a long time ago. And Savini <laughs> says, who gives a shit? It's, <laughs> it's a dream. You can do whatever we want. And he goes, all right, uh, find us a little boy. And, you know. <laughs> So it, it was, it was, it was known as the, the chair, one last chair jump yep. yeah. it ended up spawning, you know, 11 more sequels. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that one, uh, 
yeah, I that was one of the few things I remembered on my rewatch was him popping out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so a couple of real questions, you know, it, just some fun questions, I guess. Of the two movies, uh, which has the better acting? <laughs> Ooh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's got to be Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, and I'm not, okay, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about the alcoholic mom because she is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked. Yes. Her, she looked so familiar the entire time. I kept looking. You're like, I never saw her in anything else. No. Yeah, she. Uh, she seemed odd, and maybe that yeah. was just she didn't know how to play the character or what. But she, yeah, she still was better than Annie. But anyway, um, <laughs> man, Dayton, you really don't like Annie, well, do you? Hey, keep, keep in mind, keep, keep one thing in mind, uh, Dayton, keep one thing in mind. Robbie Morgan, who played Annie, was actually a stunt woman. She was. So, mm-hmm. I mean, well, okay. she, she was a stunt woman that became an actress. She was hired because she could jump out of Jeep, moving Jeeps and do some other stuff. So give All her right, a break, I'll, man. I'll, uh, I'll give her, I'll, I'll cut her some slack. And All she's right, a cutie. So, <laughs> she's adorable. <laughs> Yes, it doesn't make it up for the for the acting. Anyway, so okay, of the two, which has the better story? Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, you know, as much as I love Friday the Thirteenth, I don't want to put it down. Nightmare on Elm Street has a way better story. Okay, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and I don't think it's really fair to even ask, you know, which is better directed because I think we all agree Wes Craven did a better job. Um, so now here's a fun one: Who was the better antagonist? Was it? Mama Voorhees, or was it um, Freddy? It's going to have to go to Freddy Krueger. Um, you know, we don't get Mama Voorhees until, uh, well, I mean, she's there the whole thing, killing people, uh, but we don't see her till almost towards the end of the film. But I want to give it to Freddy Krueger just because of how he has fun and plays, uh, you know, with his kills. He enjoys uh, his work. You know? He enjoys <laughs> his work. Um, and I, I'm going to give him uh, that one. Okay. What about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, with all respect to an, uh, an angry woman who is full of... Um, rage uh, you know you gotta give it to freddy krueger yeah okay he just yeah he, he's more powerful and and like you guys said he enjoys what he does <laughs> yes yeah and it's one of those things that wasn't it was in later uh movies where he got a lot more mouthy a lot more uh sarcastic yeah. and and because i kept waiting for it in this one i'm like going Oh wait, that's later, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was. Um, but it doesn't make it any less. I mean, he was terrifying. He really was. The the gloves, he was. The, mm-hmm. the 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 burned face. Um, every every time he was on screen, especially when he's walking down the alley and he had his arms stretched yes. all the way out, you're kind of like, ew, you know. And then you start <laughs> to think about your dreams and things that happen in your dreams, and you're kind of like, you know, Wes Craven really nailed it in this yep. one. So well, he's all terrifying. Right. Uh, also because of what he says, at least in the first three movies. Right. Uh, well, I'd say first two movies, because the third one is where he we start to segue into the horror comedy aspect mm-hmm. of, of that franchise. Um, but the things that he says in this movie, you know, like pull, holding up his glove and saying, this is God, and, you know, <laughs> warning her that he was going to kill her slow. He right. didn't do this. He wasn't doing one-liners in, in this movie at all, and right. that's what makes him terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. This might be a hard one for you two, uh, knowing the love you have for Friday, but, uh, not as far as a favorite, but which is the better movie? Jeff, I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> I know. I can, I can honestly tell you going into this, I knew my answer and it did not change. So I With will tell you, uh, respectfully, to the Friday the 13th franchise, I will say that the better film is A Nightmare on Elm Street for the only reason that it is way scarier than mm-hmm. the original Friday the 13th could ever hope to be. I was terrified by Nightmare on Elm Street. I enjoyed Friday the 13th. I just, you know, chewing, you know, just crunching popcorn and waiting to see what was going to happen next. I had fun with it. Um, I had trouble falling asleep after watching a nightmare. Yes. I didn't have that with Friday 13. So I'm going with nightmare. Okay. What about you, David? So um, nightmare on Elm street is, is going to take it. 
And the reason why it's going to take it is the fact that, um, I mean, obviously it had a bigger budget and you can tell by the way it was filmed. Right. It had right, a bigger, right. it had a bigger budget, but yeah, the, the characters are so much more developed in a nightmare on Elm street. And, you know, I really care about Nancy. Uh, I, I love Nancy and I, I want her to win. I don't want her to get killed. Whereas everyone else in Friday the 13th, like you had mentioned earlier, they're cannon fodder. Right. You know, exactly. See you later. Whereas with Nancy and her friends, you know, Tina, and all of them, you know, I, I, I kind of cared about them, you know, right. because they were written well. And, you know, with, with that and the way the movie was paced, um, you know, the, the mystery, it definitely goes to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And and let's let's remember um, a big budget doesn't always mean a better movie. I mean, look what John Carpenter did with Halloween, the inspiration for Friday the 13th. Right. Uh, Carpenter set out to do something and he accomplished it. He had the pacing, he had everything else, mm-hmm. um, which I will discuss uh, the next episode with, uh, with Brad. But um, I think, you know, like I said, Cunningham versus Craven. Craven's just a better filmmaker. And yeah. going into this, I knew, uh, I remember liking Nightmare a lot more. And it didn't, it didn't waver. I was more invested in the characters and more invested in the movie. And yeah, it's just a scarier, scary movie. Now I'm not going to run out and go camping anytime soon at a, you know, at a, <laughs> at a boys, at a boy scout camp, because I'm, I'm, that's just not my thing. And also that would be playing in the back of my head anyway, especially if you hear a story about people dying years ago at the camp, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so I think a lot of it has to do with, what people are familiar with Um, people are all, everybody knows nightmares. Everybody has the nightmares that make you want to wake up and force yourself to wake up and watching a movie about nightmares killing you. I'm like, yep, I'm in, I'm totally (laughs) buying into this. And so with Friday the 13th, it was a lot of when's the next one getting killed. You know, when who's in, I'm not taking anything away from the franchise and I'm not taking anything away from the stuff that did work in that movie, but, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is just a better movie. Yep. Okay. So, any last words on those two films before we move on to the next little section I have for you guys? Nope. Okay. I was a little surprised. I thought one of you might might say Friday the Thirteenth, but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> it, it, it it honestly hurt not to. But it uh, if yeah. you uh, if if we do a sequel to this podcast episode <laughs> next year and you're talking Friday 13th, Friday 13th part two versus uh nightmare on street part two, yes. yeah. I might, I'll, I'll have a whole different outlook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So real quick, um, did you guys make your top five antagonists list real quick? Of course. All right. Oh, absolutely. All right. So why don't you guys go? I did not make one cause I was very curious as to hear what your list was. Um, so just go ahead and Jeff, go ahead and rattle off your five. Uh, top five, no explanation yep. in order of favorite to less favorite. I'm going to go Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Leatherface, and then Pinhead. Okay. All right. All right. Good choices. All right. Yeah. All right. You, David. No, see, this is me like I'm a copycat to Jeff. <laughs> so if I'm going second, it, clearly it's going to look like I'm copying him because that's exactly what mine is. <laughs> Michael Myers is has always been my favorite when it when it comes to horror franchise, but Friday the Thirteenth is really really close to being there with Jason. Um, absolutely love Freddy Krueger and uh, Leatherface is my fourth. I was you know I, I almost went with Chucky with five, but right. Pinhead is so creepy. <laughs> I had to give it to Pinhead. Now, see, I can't voice my opinion on Pinhead because, unfortunately, I've never seen Hellraiser. Whoa. I know, really? right? I know. It's always been on that list of movies to see, and um, it's just one of those that we I find I talk about every Halloween. Hey, let's watch it. We just never get around to it. Um, don't get me wrong. I've seen the clips, and he is super creepy. Um, I, I probably would have put Chucky. Because anytime mm-hmm. a toy literally tries to kill you, <laughs> you know, that kind of, that's, that truly is, is a nightmare for a kid. So, it is. but no, those are great lists. Uh, that's the, I mean, this, I mean, there's all kinds of other horror films and that we could get into. Um, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Jigsaw was, is just mm-hmm. one I could throw out there, but that's yeah. like I said, that's a whole nother, you know, whole nother episode, <laughs> but no, I, it's, it doesn't surprise me that your lists are that close <laughs> are, 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 are identical. Um, 
So, okay. Well, um, I definitely want to thank you, David, and thank you, Jeff, for joining me and discussing. I know what was uh, uh, a favorite movie and uh, another one that ranks up there with you guys. Um, it's the perfect movies to talk about at Halloween. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. Loved thank it. You. And uh, I'm glad you guys got to go on your pilgrimage to see Camp Crystal Lake. And <laughs> I've got yes. to admit, I'm a, I'm a little jealous, even though I don't love the movie. I'm still a little jealous. Again, to your listeners, if you get a chance, you need to go do that. It's worth it. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks to everybody and all the people that are listening out there. And hey, if you like what you hear, reach out to us on social media, drop us an email. And you know what? What else really would help is if you told a friend that, hey, check out this podcast. These guys are a lot of fun. And uh, great. I want to appreciate appreciate everybody uh, listening. Appreciate my guests as well. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. This has been the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Or you can send us an email, Docking Bay 77 Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.